You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Bart Rupert. And he has a strong mergers and acquisition background across Fortune 500s and startups within industries such as technology, software, energy, healthcare, real estate, construction, and the list goes on. He's founded nearly 30 companies, negotiated over $500 million in contracts and business deals, grew a corporate startup from inception to $10 million, grew a healthcare company from $8 million to $75 million, and a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about here in the interview. So today he's helping companies and everyday people buy and sell other companies for a living. And even clients who've never bought or sold companies before are working with him to structure deals that result in multi-million dollar payouts in as little as 18 months. So welcome to the show, Bart. Dennis, thanks for having me. And I, I also want to say thank you for everything you're doing. I think now more than ever, getting entrepreneurs to engage around growth and being able to incent them to really get out there and rebuild the nation, if not the world, is probably one of the most important things we can be doing because ultimately all of us as entrepreneurs are what's going to help drive and recover this. So really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. One of the missions of the podcast here is obviously to provide strategies, tactics, tools, but it's also to provide leadership inspiration, motivation in good times and bad for new entrepreneurs, existing entrepreneurs. So thank you for recognizing that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I think everybody needs a, you know, needs a daily dose or a regular dose of hearing, you know, where people are doing really great things with their business as a way to inspire them. So thank you for that. And it sounds to me like you have a really interesting background and just to kind of tease everybody today, we're going to talk about something that we've never really talked about for at this level, and it's a very different angle, which is how to buy and sell companies using none of your own money, right? Using none of your own cash. So it's kind of like a no money down, no cash down type of acquisition strategy to help you either you know, buy that business and sell it later, or maybe it's an acquisition, a strategic acquisition for your existing business just to expand. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do that, Give us, you know, expand a little bit on that background, how you got into this, how did you land in this M&A space, and then we'll get going. Yeah, sounds good. So what I really had looked at growing up is that the path to wealth, the path to success was what I would now call the executive path in the sense that you go out there, you get a really good job, you get to a high level position in that job, you make a lot of money and you retire. And growing up, that was really the mantra that was beaten into me. It's like, that's what you want to go off and do. And very quickly, as I got into that, I started working at entrepreneurial companies and I saw how successful the owners of those companies were. And that really developed what I now call the entrepreneur path. 
to where I, I started to expand my horizons and say, wow, you know, these people that are entrepreneurs are just making a ton of money. They're so successful. And I witnessed the growth of this organization I was a part of. This goes back to the 90s where I was working with a group that only had about 400 employees. The CEO was this larger than life kind of guy, great sales guy, pinstripe suit, many thousands of dollars. He paid himself, and this is in the 90s, $365,000 a year, which to me at the time was just a ton of money. And the reason he did that, Dennis, is because he wanted to be able to tell everybody he made $1,000 a day. And that's literally why he set it up that way. And at the time, this guy was like, wow, this is the person to aspire to. Look what he's created with this company. And then what happened was I was running and leading a division. It was a healthcare company. And they ultimately needed to pull me into these transactional conversations. I didn't know why. And when they pulled me in these conversations, I found out very quickly we were being looked at to acquire. Somebody was coming in to want to buy us. Relatively small company, only about 400 people. But when they went through and ultimately bought the company, my group was a big part of that, then the CEO got a payout of around $20 million. And that's when my eyes really opened. I was like, whoa, look at what this guy just accomplished. I mean, forget the 365 a year. He just landed a $20 million payout. The guy went out and bought like a yacht and he bought a plane and he retired. It was a really phenomenal exercise in life. But that's when I discovered what I call the third path, which is acquisition path. And it really comes down to if you're looking to generate growth for yourself, for your business, success for yourself as an individual, what I've discovered is you've got these three paths to be able to get there, to truly get there. One is you can be an executive, but that's very limited in nature because you've got to be most time working for like a Fortune 500 company, really doing well. And they're out there, right? I mean, I know several of the, the folks that I've got that are friends that are making over $800,000 a year as an executive. They've got stock options. That's a great way to get there. It does take time. And it's extremely rare that you actually find one of those positions, even if you're really good. The second path, the entrepreneur path, where I think almost all of us are on, you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't on this path, is a phenomenal way to go about it. It's one I've had a great amount of success with, but the reality, we all know it, is that only about 10% of all the companies that you start ultimately get there after five years to where they're generating revenue and they're actually producing profit. That's tough because no matter how smart you are, no matter how hard you work, You've got to be lucky. You've got to be in the right type of industry with the right type of clientele and the right type of scenario, started at the right time. And that's really difficult. So what I ultimately discovered is the most successful path, and I just kind of fell into it backwards, is this acquisition path. Because the reality is you can go into an environment where a business already exists, it's already successful, it's past the five-year mark, it's producing profit, and you can take it over. You can buy it. And you can do that often without using any of your own cash and be entirely successful with that. And to be able to go and do organic growth as an entrepreneur is critical. We've all got to be able to go through and do Facebook ads and Google AdWords and be able to go through and do our, you know, the more advanced techniques, the more recent techniques like creating funnels and landing pages, et cetera. You got to do that. But with inorganic growth, buying a competitor, for example, I can double the size of a business overnight, just like that. And there's really, I mean, I don't know of a more powerful way to generate wealth quickly and do it on my own terms than to go through and acquire another company. Hey there, sorry to interrupt this episode in progress, but I have something really cool to share with you and I promise to keep it brief. I've decided to give away $100 this week to one of my growth experts listeners. Yep, that could be you. Here's all you have to do in order to qualify for the giveaway. 
take a screenshot of your phone or any device for that matter showing that you're subscribed to my Growth Experts podcast and then text it to 716-218-8981. Again, that's 716-218-8981. This will get you entered into the contest and a chance to win the $100 just for listening. Number two, for more entries to win, for more chances to win, simply share any episode of my Growth Experts podcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter, but you have to tag me at Ask Dennis Brown in order for it to count as another entry. The more shares, the more entries. Okay, guys, that's it. For full details on this contest, go to askdennisbrown.com forward slash contest. Now let's get back to the show. So let's dive into that a little bit and, you know, give us a brief outline, maybe a one or two minute summary of a transaction, something that, you know, stands out in your mind where you were able to buy and sell a company, you know, where you saw significant growth in that company, either in a buy sell transaction or in a buy transaction where you were able to double or maybe significantly increase the revenues of an existing organization and share what you can, whether it be the company or the industry or the sector or the product, whatever you can there, that would be great. I think it'd be a great visual, right? A great example of how this might work. And then we'll dive into the how-to, right? We'll talk about, we're going to talk about, I think you have a framework, a three-part framework that you use on how to do that. Yeah. So we'll give a quick example and I'll, I'll stick to one that's a bit more traditional just because there's like the starter course and then there's the more advanced techniques that we could use. But one that I think a lot of people can relate to, there was a healthcare company and it was software as a service. When I had come into that organization and it effectively taken over a good chunk of that stock and essentially was running the company, it was an $8 million company in terms of its valuation. And we took that on. We grew it organically and inorganically over a period of a few years and then got it to over $75 million before looking at the exit event. And that's very short in terms of what we did, but it was an extraordinarily effective technique to where essentially just came into an organization that looked really good. It had been around 10 years, the same ownership or leadership the entire time. The group had felt like we're plateauing. We can't really get there. We're not sure what to do next. They needed help. And I was able to bring in not only myself, but also a team of people that were much smarter than me around me to be able to do a lot of that legwork, grow the company, and look towards disruptive strategies that they weren't thinking about that helped accelerate the company and grow it very quickly. And just to give you an idea of one of the things we were able to do, we added one deal, one new deal to this organization, and we did more revenue in that one deal than they had done in the prior three years combined. It just wow. through that one transaction. And, and that, that's really the way you want to be thinking about it is you want to look at if I'm going to be taking on this transaction and doing this, what can I add? What can my skill set bring to this table or the skill sets of those around me to be able to immediately add value to this thing? And it doesn't just have to be revenue. It could be additional profit. Maybe they're spending things very inefficiently. It could be reduction of expenses. Perhaps there's strategic alignments or different, different groups you're already working with that can shave the cost fairly substantially. The goal is boost the value. And once you boost the value, you've got a train that you can put more energy into and you don't have to use any more of your own money at that point, whether you've put in cash or not. You're just basically using the effectiveness of the engine that's already there in a more optimized manner to grow it very aggressively. And then you get to the point where you go through and sell it. And the sales process is a whole different scenario, but 
the idea is in that case, we got about 10x more value out of it. So out of that, so with that business, that example, you went from you entered it about eight million in sales. They were doing by the time you guys sold it, it was doing over 75 million in sales. Are you able to discuss whether it be a range on what that transaction sold for? Did it ultimately sell? Is it still in the process? Where is that at? Yeah, the only thing I really look at is value, the valuation. So the sales were less than 8 million when we first took it over and less than 75 million. The value of the company on a multiplier basis was 8 million when we when I took gotcha. it over. Gotcha. And then it was it was over 75 when we sold. Excellent. Okay, great. I misunderstood. Thanks for clarifying. Awesome. Well, listen, I think that's a great example and a perfect segue into your framework, right? So why don't you pull apart this framework of how Someone in the audience, you know, whether it be for their own benefit or their existing business, or whether this is something they want to take on, you know, as a way to build additional wealth, what would that framework look like? Unpack that for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll start with this: is that if you're looking at your own business, how to grow it, and whether or not inorganic growth is for you, the thing I would add is that you're only one deal away from generational wealth with the acquisition path. That's the power of. Is it easy to do? Is it something you can learn at the snap of a finger? No, but it's worth it because the reality is it actually takes in many cases <laughs> the same amount of time to close an acquisition as it does a big client that you're just selling that could go away any moment. When you buy a company, you own it forever. When you do a new deal with a client, maybe they stick around, maybe they don't. So the way we look at this is that it is an important part of your strategy if you're an entrepreneur, whether you're growing organically and had success with that or not. And the way we look at it is there's three different parts of the system that we find to be critical to the success, and I'll break them down. The first part is deal flow or sourcing the transactions. And we do that through the unpublished acquisition network. I'll talk about that in a moment. The second part of this is disruptive deal structure. You've got to be able to structure deals in a very disruptive way, in a way that's different than the way everybody else is doing it traditionally. And we'll talk about that too. And then the final element of this is what we call asymmetric negotiation, where you, you take a look at the negotiation process itself and you come at it in a slightly different way. You basically cut a tangent, come at it from the side so that you're not negotiating the same way as everyone else. If you can do that effectively and negotiate using some of the asymmetric techniques we can talk about, ultimately what you're going to get is a radical reduction in the time it takes you to get a deal. You're going to have everybody walking away from the transaction table feeling much more like it's a win-win, not like the other side got beat up or you got beat up, and everybody's going to do the deal much faster. And that's what you want. You want velocity and you want accuracy with being able to get the deal. Love it. If we start with the first part of that, we'll talk about deal sourcing. And if you look at deal sourcing, I think this is where a lot of people get stuck because if you're doing transactions, you're buying companies, it's really deal flow or death. You've got to have a lot of deal flow. And most people make what I believe is the mistake of going out and looking at listed companies. By listed companies, I mean companies that are listed for sale. So the vast majority of the people in the United States might go and say, all right, I'm going to go to BizBuySell or DealStream or some site like that and look at all the companies that are listed for sale and I'll talk to them. Well, here's what's really going on behind the scenes when you look at it from an M&A perspective or an entrepreneur trying to sell your company from perspective. Morgan Stanley, Forbes, and IBBA, which is the definitive source for information in the M&A world, will all tell you that the success rate of a listed business is between 8 to 12%. 8 to 12%, basically 1 out of 10. What that means is that if you're an entrepreneur and you go to sell your company through that strategy, you're only going to succeed 1 out of 10 times, or only 1 out of 10 people are going to succeed, which is horrific odds. 
And what happens is all of these people get approached. They get approached by everybody, people in the country, people out of the country, people from you know, all different walks of life, some people that are financial buyers, so they represent private equity or family offices, and they're very seasoned and they're very experienced and they know how to beat people up and beat them down and try and get the lowest possible price. Then you've got these other folks that are just everyday Joes who are just like, oh, we'll see what's going on at Biz by Sell this Saturday. They cruise through, they see a company they like, they reach out, they don't know what they're doing, they have no money, they're not really gonna buy. Like six months of this takes place, the entrepreneur is totally exacerbated. They're frustrated, they don't wanna sell, they're like, man, none of these guys are real. And when a real buyer like you or us comes along, all of a sudden they're saying to themselves, forget it, I, my heart's just not in it. So you find that by going down that path, your success rate is extremely low compared to approaching companies that aren't listed for sale. So we actually have put together a proprietary system or network called the Unpublished Acquisition Network, where we pull together all the different deals that aren't listed for sale and we approach those groups, those CEOs. We find that we're able to succeed six to eight times more often by going through that process. And that's a big deal because if it means that six to eight times more meetings actually result in a transaction or an LOI or something that moves the ball forward, that is a very, very big and significant deal. Well, here's an obvious question. Let me ask you this. How do you accumulate a list of unpublished deals. If somebody doesn't publish it, how do you create this database of deals? I mean, where does that yeah, come Yeah, I mean, from? It's, that's, uh, it's a big part of our secret sauce. I and mean, we've actually got about 20 different techniques that are all varying, varying in terms of their strategy and their approach to be able to get access to these folks. But I'll give you one, right? And it's, it's probably the most obvious one that you'd want to start with is it's amazing how many people have companies or entrepreneurs in their network that they know personally. So like the very first thing we talk about is go to your existing network. So think about yourself, Dennis. I mean, you know, probably hundreds of entrepreneurs, right? And they're in various stages of their career. Some of them are in a spot to where they say to themselves, I'm ready to sell. I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to retire. Others are going to be in a spot to where they say, you know what? I'm just looking at COVID-19 and what's ahead of me. I know what needs to be done to be able to be rebuild this. I don't want to do it. This is just too tough. My heart's not in it. Or I've got this other business idea I'd like to move forward with. What are they going to do? Are they going to shut the doors? That would really suck for them. If they could find a way to do something with that business or get it in somebody's hands that could then double or triple their revenue and the profit on a path to an exit, wouldn't that be more attractive? The got answer it. is yes. Got it. And so we, we have like 20 other techniques that basically walk you through step-by-step, step, how do you affect that relationship, even for somebody you don't know, to be able to get them engaged in that conversation, figure out what's causing the massive pain and how to solve it. Got it. All right. Part two, what about the second part of the framework, which is disruptive deal structure? Yeah. So the, the more important thing is disruptive deal structure. What I see people do in the acquisition space is they come in with a very specific idea of how they want to acquire a company. And they literally go after everybody with that strategy in mind. So let's say you're in a situation where you like one particular type of, of strategy. Like you say, yeah, I'd like to go through and do, you know, I'd like to go through and do like a leverage buyout. And you say, that's really the technique I'd like to use. Well, what if the seller is not down with the techniques of a leverage buyout? What if that doesn't meet their goals? What if that's not their strategy? What if that's not resonating with them? Well, you're coming in with one tool that may only resonate with, call it like 5% of the population, 10%, maybe 20% if you're lucky. 
That means even if it's 20%, one out of five of the people that you get to the finalist stage with in the conversation are actually interested in what you're selling. This is where we get into, and I think every entrepreneur has experienced this to some degree, the traditional sales technique, right? We all know that a good salesperson will be able to have a number of different tools in their toolkit, and they're going to listen more than they're going to talk. And if you're listening more than you're talking, really listening, like actively, then you're going to seek to understand what it is the other person is feeling, what they're going through, what they want. And you're going to feed into that. What most people do that's a massive mistake in sales, they listen to the person actively, say, this is exactly what I want, and they come back and regurgitate or vomit up whatever their sales pitch is that isn't what that person wants. <laughs> and then they don't make the sale. They come back to the device and say, oh, I wonder why that didn't close. Well, it's because you sold something that wasn't consistent with what they're after. So disruptive deal structure is all about let's have a series of different techniques in our toolkit that allow us to go after whatever it is that that person wants and have an answer to it. So for example, if they come back and say, really, I'd like to spend the next three to five years growing this thing before I sell it. If I'm an M&A guy and I approach that entrepreneur and I'm thinking, I want to sell companies. All I want to do is sell companies all day long. I just want to sell your company and list it. And somebody says, well, I want to grow it for the next three to five years. What am I going to do? I'm probably going to walk away, right? I'm going to say, right. hey, call me back in three to five years. And that's what everybody's trained to do in the brokerage world. And the person on the other end is never going to call them back. Why? Because they don't have rapport. They don't have trust. They have to talk to each other. They don't know each other. The person really doesn't feel like that broker's trying to help them at all. They're just trying to get another deal. So we actually have a series of techniques. And in this case, one of them that we could pull out, one of the things in our, our deal-making toolkit would be a virtual merger. So we'd be able to come to them and say, well, what if we can merge you with other companies and actually do that in a way to where you could continue to have control of your own destiny? continue to grow your own company, have complete control over the P&L, the balance sheet, the financials, that's all yours, but you're part of this larger framework that's much more significant framework. And by the way, when we get to the point where we sell it down the road, instead of you being able to get the typical 2.5 to 3x multiplier on your profit, just by being part of this framework, we can get you like 5 to 6x. So just by working with us, you've doubled your value, maybe more for doing the exact same thing over the same period of time with the same exit goal, what do you think? Who's gonna say no to that? I mean, of course they're gonna say, well, I'm at least interested, how do you do it? And we've pioneered this thing that we really look at as the virtual merger because we've taken all the difficult things about a merger and condensed them in a very finite legal framework that we paid a lot of money to develop that works and allows us to get that deal done in a matter of weeks get them what they're looking for with contractual assurances and all kinds of guarantees that no one else is able to offer. So it's a win for us. It's a win for them. And every one of our team members that are participating in virtual mergers right now, they're doing so part-time. They maybe spend two to four hours a week on it. And when we go through and actually do the exit events with these virtual mergers, because of the unique deal structure that we've got, i.e. disruptive deal structure, each of them are going to exit with at least seven figures. Like yeah, I minimum. think it's interesting because the thing that comes to mind here from that is creativity and flexibility, right? I mean, as opposed to going with a one-size-fits-all strategy, you, know, you have to be a little bit creative and you have to be flexible in the strategy within a certain framework, of course. I mean, it has to make sense you know, for everybody, but ultimately that's kind of what is jumping through my head. And I think that example of having a salesperson that has one one strategy, you know, they got one hammer and one nail and they, don't, they just don't think outside the box, that, that typically isn't going to work well in the buy and sell for acquisitions. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what we always say to people, 
if you're looking at acquisitions, like 99% of the world thinks of that in terms of currency of, of the amount of capital you bring to the table. Like if I'm to buy a company, what currency am I dealing with? Traditionally, everybody thinks, well, you're going to bring money. The way we look at it is the currency we trade in with acquisitions is actually pain removal and creativity. So we're not going in to say, we're going to give you a certain amount of money to buy your company. We're going to say, we're going to solve problems for you. We're going to take that pain that's keeping you up at night, having you sweat through your bed sheets in the middle of the night. We're going to remove that. And we're going to be creative about how we do it to get you exactly what you want. Because at the end of the day, when somebody says, I want $10 million for my company, essentially what they're telling you is, I think there's a certain amount of value with what I've created. But what they're not telling you is, here's all the stuff that I'm worried about. And that's where we get into the third and final component of the structure, which is asymmetric negotiation. And in asymmetric negotiation, we we'll go through and train people on how to actually extract all those different pain points and all the things that are bothering them to be able to position that in a way that meets all of their needs, truly addresses all of their pain. And when you truly address all of somebody's pain, you find a couple things happen. Number one, you're able to get deals done far more creatively. You're able to bring things to the table that add value that no one else is thinking of. And it actually happens a lot faster. The reason it happens a lot faster is because I feel like, okay, if you're buying my company, Dennis, I'm going to look at it and be like, all right, is he really solving my big pain? And if, if I know I've got like two to three things that are really bothering me and you're coming to the table saying, hey, I'm going to solve all of those for you, Bart. And I'm like, wow, I really feel he is. Number one, I'm going to feel like, okay, number one, I, I think that Dennis really cares. I think he's looking out for me. I think he sees my perspective. So that probably means I like him, I trust him, and people want to do deals with people they like and trust. It's just the way we're built. So I'm going to be more inclined to do a deal with you. I'm going to be more inclined to do it faster. And I'm going to give you more terms than anybody else. And neither one of us have to beat each other about the head. And it's a very different process to where the negotiation style that's out there traditionally, if you will, is you just go and beat the other guy over the head continuously. And eventually they just succumb to your wishes and your demands and you walk away feeling good. Well, you've just completely burned that bridge. And there is a high risk, and I've had this happen to me, to where you spend nine months beating the other side up, you think you got them, and then they show up at the deal room table like the boardroom signed over the papers, and guess what? They don't do it. And maybe it's the right thing to do, maybe all the money and the terms are there, but you know what? They hate you. They hate you because you've just been beating the crap out of them for the last nine months. I once had, and this is, this has been an evolution. I was originally a very, um, a very atomic negotiator to where I just go and beat the garbage out of the other side. And I would typically get my, what I wanted. And so it, it taught me that that was the right thing to do. But essentially, I learned over time, it was, it was the stupidest thing I could do because I'd never do another deal with those people. And oftentimes, they wouldn't actually close on the transaction if it was anything longer than a month or two. And I did that so badly. I was so bad about that. I once had somebody put into a contract, me by name, saying, if we do this deal, you are going to remove Bart Rupert from all negotiations and our staff are not going to have to work with him. I mean, they, they hated me that much. They're like, I just really don't want to negotiate with that guy. It's just, it's, it's like, I just, I feel, I feel like I just get the crap beat out of me every time I do it. And that was kind of a wake up call. I was like, all right, I got the deal, but at what cost? This is terrible. And I actually really found different ways to go about it. And now the way I think to look at the world with acquisitions is if you can't structure it to where it's a win-win, and I know that sounds trite, but if you can't get it to where each side is walking away with a victory, to where they're getting what they want and what they need, walk away from the deal. Don't do it. 
because it's not worth it. And reason being, I've seen too many transactions I've done where I got the deal over the finish line, but the transaction ultimately failed. And it was my fault because I didn't have that relationship. They did not want to work with me after it was all over or my team. And that just doesn't work. You've got to have, if somebody's sticking around, if you're not buying them out 100%, then you've got to have some degree of rapport with the person, a relationship, a partnership, because you're in it together. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, particularly with what you were describing of you coming on and helping to continue grow that business side by side with them by bringing different deals to the table. Like you said, you added a deal that, you know, the one example you gave was that generated more value for the company than the prior three years sales did, right? So, I mean, you know, that's a perfect example where you're coming in. And so that relationship, if you're not buying them out 100% in particular, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you said you were a tough negotiator. And the fact is, it's always hard to feel good about the fact that you beat the crap out of somebody on a negotiation, where on the other hand, it feels great if, you know, if they're extremely happy about the deal, the terms, they love it. And they're just questioning, the only question they have is, is too good to be true? I mean, it looks like a great deal for everybody. So I love that concept of asymmetric negotiation. So that's perfect. Well, so part one was sourcing unpublished acquisitions. Part two was disrupting deal strategies and then our structures. And then third was asymmetric negotiation. So awesome. Listen, anything else you want to add really quick? I got two more rapid fire questions and we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it does come down to driving deal flow. Everything in this business is deal flow or death. I would also say, if you're interested in growth as an entrepreneur, explore inorganic growth. There's no harm in checking it out. Find a way to really set that up. Everybody that looks to do that is only one deal away from generational wealth. All it takes is deal flow. And that's something we do every day as entrepreneurs anyway. So you're already doing these exercises, just looking at it a little bit differently. And I really do believe this is the most rewarding way to go about it particularly if you can structure it to where every side does come out ahead and wins. Love it. Last couple of questions. What's your favorite growth tool, software, app? Something that you use on an ongoing basis to help you grow your business or businesses, I should say. Yeah, no question. It's a tool called Valuation X. And very few people have heard of it unless you do M&A for a living, but you can find it at valuationx.co. It's not .com. And it is a tool that allows us in 10 to 15 minutes flat to know the exact value of a company and actually use that in a negotiation. And it's super powerful. And I'll tell you why, Dennis, because when you get like myself as an M&A broker and somebody else on the other transaction side, let's say I'm doing a deal with a company that's worth over $100 million. They're going to have lawyers. They're going to have an M&A firms. They're going to have another side, another contingent that represents them. When we show up, we have to be able to prove the valuation we're assigning to a company or dispute the valuation that they're putting together. And that's always this fight because, because valuation is, is more art than it is science in many cases. But we use Valuation X to be able to precisely determine the exact value of a business. We go in and we present all the artifacts that come out of that to the other side. And in like 99% of the cases, everybody walks away going, yep, that's the value. So it cuts through a lot of the BS, it cuts through a lot of the conversation, gets us right to the heart of the conversation so that we can move the deal forward. Love it. And what would be one book that you would recommend, something maybe you've read, has helped you along in your journey or might help them? Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't read a lot of books that are more related to business. I think, I think business, the books that, that I think are more pertinent to this type of structure, look at anything by Tony Robbins. 
and particularly the stuff from the early days that he wrote that was about self-awareness, self-growth, actualization of yourself, because there's an element of this that, and I know it doesn't seem intuitive to M&A, but there's an element of this that really involves your own evolution as a person and your own awareness of who you are. Because I think this whole business of MA has a really bad rap because there's an incredible amount of backstabbing and people that are unethical and people that are, you know, just really screwing each other out of deals. And I've been through it myself. I've seen it. It makes me sick, but that's the world we live in. If you come into this and you've got great awareness of who you are, what motivates you, what drives you, how are you going to be able to really push yourself forward and get the most out of your lifestyle? And I think Tony Robbins is the best person on the planet to do that then you will be far more effective at this. And I also think you've got to bring, or I'd really encourage you to bring, an ethical standard and integrity to deal-making. Because if you engage the other side with integrity and the person to your right and left, like your team with integrity, you take care of them, you take care of the other side, and of course you take care of yourself. But if you're looking at other people as part of the equation just as much as yourself, and you're really driving that deal forward, you will be massively successful. And I do really believe that that integrity is critical to, we're now shifting quite a bit in the world to where if you have more integrity in deal-making, you'll do much better. Love it, Bart. Listen, perfect. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you got going on, how they might be able to you know, learn a little bit more about this whole structure of buying and selling businesses, M&As, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, absolutely. You can hit us up on the web at www.spartansalliance.com, Spartans, plural, alliance.com. And with that, you can read about the techniques we use, some high-level information about what types of deals we take down. Look at a bit of information as well. There's links to our Facebook page, our LinkedIn page, where you get all kinds of free content, free information that's really going to help you improve your skill set as a deal maker, figure out whether or not it's for you. And anybody that has specific questions coming out of the show and would like to contact us with uh, for information or just to start a dialogue, reach out to Austin, one of our VPs on the team. He can be reached at austin at spartansalliance.com. Love it. Really appreciate it. I'll make sure I put all that in the show notes. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Dennis. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Bart. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.